0: Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 36 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today?
1: Doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. It's a beautiful day out.
0: Cool. Yeah, gorgeous day out. We, I, th- I think we are, I mean, you know, living in ohio you sort of go through these waves where you say this once every couple of weeks and so i'll have to sort of knock on wood as i say this but uh it does seem like we are finally sort of cresting does
1: feel well we're early april we're early april we're in we're out like a lamb matt things are good things are good i think but there was Uh, snow on the ground less than a week ago so hey
0: who knows Uh, But you know what I do know Dave I know that today we are watching episode 36 Of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger It is called Fly The Universe's Dancing Wings of Hope Uh, And that's going to be a lot of fun But Dave of course before we get into that We have our officially award winning opening segment Dave shining in the heavens There are five stars What is our first star of the week
1: So our first star of the week Matt Is that I I was just able to take a great walk Like I took like a two hour walk with the twins yeah it is great so what we do is we take the stroller so that they can kind of walk as much as, as they want and then when their legs inevitably get tired because they are only four and a half years old then i'm just like all right well you guys just hop in the stroller and then you know we will uh
0: i you know i am honestly a little surprised they still fit in this stroller
1: it's a very big stroller. It's always been That's like true. we like when they when we first got them, and it it was like comically oversized, but they do still fit in it. I mean this is probably like the last summer that that would mm-hmm. be true is my guess, but you know, hey, well,
0: you know, but next summer they'll be five and a half and probably a little more capable yeah. of you know going on that longer walk without a stroller
1: right, now the other bonus to this. Kind of a bonus is that my, our favorite bakery is on the route for this walk. Rather, I should say the route for the walk in some way centers on our favorite bakery. Sure, that's reasonable. But right now, um, sugar bean gets a lot of stomach aches, like a lot, a lot. And her doctor was like, listen, the kind of like easiest thing you can do right now is to just try to is do what's not called. Go
0: to the bakery. <laughs>
1: well, that probably would help. Um, is to do what's called an elimination diet which is like you scale back to like very very simple foods that kind of everybody knows that like basically nobody ever has any problems with and then yeah, you this,
0: this is not your first brush with the elimination
1: diet it isn't uh, we did one with for kind of for Beth's sake um, a, a couple of years ago and so we're doing another round on it just to see if we can get to the bottom of her of sugar bean stomach aches so anyways However, the upside of this is that it doesn't really allow for bakery items, which, you know, summers are coming in and, uh, you know, I'm trying to drop that, drop that quarantine weight, Matt. So taking a nice mm-hmm. long walk and not going to the bakery along the way is a, is a great move. But I got out nice. in the sunshine and I feel great.
0: Nice dude, yeah. I went for a nice long walk uh today. You know, the uh I think I've mentioned before that the house, the the house that is currently being renovated that I will yeah. someday move into is within walking distance of where I currently live. Um and so I've got a bunch of I guess I could save this for a later star, but I'll just drop it in now. The uh there are contractors currently doing work at the house. So basically every day after work that it is not like raining or whatever I just walk over to the other house and check in to see what new things are installed oh, or cool. torn out. That's gotta be, I feel like it's gotta be very step. satisfying. It is. It is. And then I take like three pictures and send like confused questions to the head contractor like, Hey, what is this? <laughs> Why is this here? Why is this not here? And then we sort of work it out and it's been working out pretty well. Uh, but yeah, dude, great, great walks weather, which is really my ideal time of year
1: so matt the delightful walk is a great first star what is our second star of the week
0: uh dave our second star of the week it's bun vulcan
1: welcome to bun vulcan
0: Okay, so you know I have sort of been uh, taking a break on the baguettes, and I've been re-exploring the, the sort of simple, no need Dutch oven bread that I, uh, that I yes. started my, my bread journey with. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm better at baking, and so they're all good instead of only, like, half the time being good and the other half being, like, barely edible. <laughs> Oh,
1: yeah, dude, you brought some over for Easter. They were great.
0: Yeah, okay, so here is what I wanted to talk about. So I did, I brought over a loaf um, when I came over for Easter, um, and it was very well received, and I was very pleased with that. But there was a problem with it. Not, not a problem with the bread itself, but a problem with the bread in that circumstance, which is that uh, what I've been doing recently is I bought some sort of like medium grain uh, cornmeal, And I've been using that Mm. as, like, a foundation that I lay the the bread dough on top of before it goes into the Dutch oven. So when it comes out, it's got that, like, you know, that, like, cornmeal crust on the bottom. Oh,
1: yeah. A classic.
0: A classic, Matt. Which is nice. It's sort of, you know, a little texture difference stops the bottom from scorching as much. Plus, there's a nice little flavor contrast with the corn and the, uh, the, the regular bread dough. Well, an issue there is that Beth can't eat corn. And so I felt badly because I, I had brought over this loaf of bread that, like, if she wanted to eat any, she had to, like, carve the bottom off of it. And I thought, okay, well, let me experiment with some other things so that in the future, um, if I bring a loaf over, like, we don't run into that issue.
1: Very so, thoughtful and gracious of you. Well, uh, you know,
0: I, I try to I try to uh, keep my, my thoughts open and towards other people. Um, but also, I had been looking for an excuse to sort of experiment with this.
1: Um, and Dave, let me, uh, tell me, what, what do you know about sesame seeds? I know that they are an integral part of Korean food. Mm -hmm. So I always have some around. Yeah. So here, here are the, I know that they top a Big Mac. Uh,
0: they do. They do. So, you know, they work on bread.
1: Yeah. It's pretty much Um, all I got.
0: The the two main things about sesame seeds, uh, for my purposes, are that I have a lot of them and they taste very good. And so uh, I I I have a lot of things in my kitchen that exist only because periodically, when our sister lives in the country, she tends to live with me. So if there mm-hmm. are like long-lasting, shelf-stable, like pantry items that can be used for, like, Japanese or Korean foods that she has picked up how to uh, cook in her time living in Asia, like, those things just sort of end up in my pantry. So I have mm. a ton of sesame seeds that, like, man, I don't know where they came from. Katie bought them, like, four years ago. But they're a canister of toasted sesame seeds. They stay pretty, you know, they, they'll they be around Yeah, forever. you're good. Um, And so instead of doing a cornmeal base, I laid down, like, a bed of toasted sesame seeds, put the dough on top of that, And then tossed it in the Dutch oven. And Dave, it's Like, Okay, you have to like sesame seeds. Like, that's a a prereq here. Yeah, legit. um, uh, It's extremely good. Yeah, man, that sounds delicious. Yeah, like, it's... I'm kind of annoyed with myself that I, like,
1: waited (laughs) until now to try it. (laughs) Um, Matt, this is going to open up whole new vistas for you. You can do all sorts of seeds. Yeah, I mean, those are the only seeds I have immediately
0: handy, but now that I know it works, like, man, you can you can really go wild with it. I did have a brief thought of, like, okay, I love sesame seeds. I love a sesame seed bagel. You know what other kind of mm-hmm. bagel I like? An everything bagel. I like an everything bagel. And you know what they sell at Trader Joe's, a store I have not been to in over a calendar year, but I know that it exists, Uh They sell that shaker of the, like, everything bagel, like, everything but the bagel, like, spice mix.
1: Okay, Matt, I'm going to pause this recording for just a sec. I will be right back because I have some important news to share with you. Give me a mo'. Matt, I will have to get this important information to you at a slightly later date. Here's what I was looking for. I have a much larger container of everything bagel seasoning in my cupboard because my wife puts it on so many things that we were going through it at an untenable rate, (laughs) uh, purchasing it in the quantities that are sold at Trader Joe's. So I just want to let you know that you can purchase it in much larger quantities. And I think if you're going to put it on the bottom of a whole loaf of bread, you're going to want to.
0: Yeah, but just like, you know, okay, but think about it. You've got, I mean, I'm, I don't need to tell you everything that's in it, but it's it's a lot of tasty things, and I really am curious as to see how it would stand up to, like, the heat of a 450-degree Dutch oven, or if it would just become, like, a scorched mess that would ruin the dough. Um, no, man, I
1: mean, they put it on bagels. That's true.
0: That's very true. Um Anyway, so yeah, that, that is my bun Vulcan this week. Um, you know, experiments with sesame seed. Dave, what is our third star of the week?
1: Matt, our third star of the week, it's a house update.) <laughs> Now, actually, in this case, it's my house update, which is a little bit unusual these days, but true. So I just have gotten like a ton of house stuff done recently, and it feels amazing. I don't have jokes about this, Matt. I'm just sharing it with you because I'm full of joy about it. So here's the first thing. Yeah, I picked up, so mom and dad sold their old house, the house that we grew up in, and so I went and I picked up kind of the last of the stuff, and in, in and among that stuff, Matt, was a ladder, so A, I was able to finally get up on my roof and clear off all the sticks off the roof of my garage. Oh, nice. So it's clean, yeah, so that's fantastic. I was just on spring break, so I cleaned out basically my whole basement and my whole garage. That's has got so, Oh, dude. I threw out so much garbage that I, and I didn't even do like a purge. I just went through my basement and got rid of all the stuff that was like obviously garbage. Like actively
0: garbage.
1: Yeah, like we don't need to think about this. It's trash.
0: You did not make any decisions to designate new items as garbage. You only found existing garbage.
1: Yeah, precisely. I had so much garbage on my front walk for garbage day my neighbor texted me and he was like hey dude are you guys moving (laughs) so we're not but that i think tells you so i like all i did was like tetris the things in my basement around swept out underneath them and threw out obvious garbage it's incredible i did the same thing to my garage that's pretty amazing and with dad's help, I finally installed two light fixtures that I purchased like two years ago, one of which replaced a light fixture I've hated since I bought this house. The other light fixture replaced uh, just one that had been empty because it broke four and a half years ago, and I just had never replaced it. But it's replaced now.
0: That's great, dude. It's Yeah, and, and it's you,
1: amazing. It looks very nice. It does. It's really fantastic. Yeah, it was, you know, with the broken lights, it was just like it was that br- it's the broken window thing, right? You break like one window, and at first you're like, oh, that's bad. But you're a human being and you very quickly adapt to it. And then you just get used to the idea that, like, oh, that room doesn't have light. What it has is like wires sticking an empty- out of the ceiling yeah. where there
0: used to be a light.
1: Right. In like a safe way. They were kept in everything, but sure, still. Sure. And then uh, and then just like you're very used to that and you're like, yeah, that room just doesn't have lights. It's fine. And then it's four and a half years later and you still haven't fixed it. Well, no, it's four and a half years later, and then you finally do fix it, and then you can just flip the light switch on and, and it turns the light on. It's amazing. It's a miracle. So really. that's it. Yeah. So uh, I've got some other I got some other house stuff planned for this summer. Uh, I'm gonna try to build a fence around my backyard so I can just let my kids go out there and play which would be super exciting. Mm-hmm. A couple other things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I I feel like I should have house, dates, house updates. Uh, I kind of already said it, which is that right now I'm sort of in the contractor zone of like they are tearing down my walls and replacing all of the wires and pipes and like vents. So like once all that is done, I will be able to start doing my own stuff again. But right now, the only thing I do is I just go every day and I look at it and I say, all right, well... I think that's new. And then I go home.
1: You know, dude, that's totally legit. These projects take a long time. I think if you have that place ready to be, like, moved in and you do not have anything at your old place, like, you're just completely transitioned, I would say by the time fall starts, that's totally, totally reasonable. Totally reasonable.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I will keep you and the listeners updated. Uh. Okay, Dave, what is our fourth Star of the Week?
1: So our fourth Star of the Week, Matt, oh, I just listen. Should I even give my standard, I guess I'm about to anyways, the standard disclaimer that I'm fully aware that like everybody on the internet is talking about this. But half of this show is just us talking about things we'd like also. So Matt, we gotta talk about Falcon Vision. Yes. Falcon Vision, Vision in the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I I
0: always I okay, it, initially I wrote it down as Falcon Vision all one word because I thought that was a funny joke because we had just it come is. off of WandaVision. And at this point, like my phone auto like when I type in F A L C, my phone just autocorrects to Falcon Vision, and that's way easier than typing out Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so I just roll with it. Um, Dave, this television show and um I'm going to we're going to Dave hasn't seen the most recent episode, and we're going to try to do this in, a, in the most non-spoilery way possible. I just kind of want to talk about like the shape of the show and the things that are and the the one thing that bumps out that I really like about it.
1: Well, take it away, man,
0: Dave. This show is Mark Grunwald as hell. Like, have you ever read Mark Grunwald's run on Captain America?
1: I have read big chunks of it, I mean, it's but very I long. got a. It is really long. And I also got to say, I think I've probably, I've read it sort of um, maybe inadvertently or intermittently. Like, I've never sat down and just be like, I'm just going to, like, blast through Grunewald's run on Captain America. You know, like, I've read big chunks of it just because, like, I've read big chunks of Captain America. Mm -hmm. But
0: okay well um here are two things that I want to say then one you and anyone listening should definitely read Greenwald's run on cats in America it's amazing two this show is so much like the Greenwald run and what I and I mean two things by that okay the first thing is that they very obviously are taking elements from the Greenwald run and incorporating them into this television show like there oh, yeah, are, I mean yeah, like, there are just, like, characters and storylines that are just, like, directly lifted. Which is, you know, great. Because if you're going to directly lift something from a Captain America run, it's like, you know, that's one of the four, probably, Cap runs that you really want to hit.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but th- Matt, yeah, if I can interrupt for just a moment, if that's the case, are you predicting that we will get werewolves?
0: I mean, listen... Season two, maybe. (laughs) I mean, the Grunewald run goes for a long time. They got to get through a lot of U.S. agent stuff before they get to Cap Wolf. But, like, dude, man, they, like, they have pretty much shown throughout the course of the MCU stuff that, like, there are no weird rabbit holes that they will not eventually explore.
1: Dude, if only that means I get a Werewolf by Night movie one of these days.
0: Uh... So the other thing that I really like about the show is that it is not only Grunewald in content, but it is Grunewald-esque in um, composition. Mm
1: -hmm. Which is to say
0: that if you've you've read the Grunewald run, and if you haven't, I'm about to explain it, so don't worry about it, but you definitely should read it anyway, um, is that the Grunewald run, it's like... You know how a lot of times a comic book story will have, like, an A story and a B story, right? And, like, sometimes there'll be a C story. But, like, generally that's, you know, like, it'll follow, like, the main thing, and then there are, like, sub-stories happening in the background. The Grunewald Captain America run is very much, like, there is an A story, a B story, a C story, and a D story happening at all times, and (laughs) they're all kind of treated the exact same way. Like, there are whole issues where the A's, like, whole, like, multi-issue, like, Arcs, where the A story does not show up. Like, there's a whole bit, like shortly after John Walker is introduced in the comics, that Steve Rogers just isn't around for a while. And it's not like <laughs> forever, but it's a couple of issues. And what I really like about this show is that like, you know, the name of the show is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So obviously it's focused on at least two characters. Right. But what it does very well is it does sort of mimics that Grunewald cap run-like sensibility where it's just like, yeah, here's 20 minutes where we're going to follow this guy. And he's doing stuff that seems completely unrelated. It might actually be completely unrelated to the other thing we're about to spend 20 minutes on. But
1: eventually... Hint, it's not.
0: Yeah, but like, you know, eventually it all sort of comes together. And, you know, it's, it's just very good. It's a good television show, and I like it a lot. It's very different from WandaVision. I mean WandaVision was such like a specific vibe. Um, you, you know, you you really wouldn't expect any show to be like it um, in any huge way. But what what I I just really like how successful it is in a mimicking that particular great Captain America run, but also like in the way that WandaVision really highlighted the cool things about those characters and took advantage of them to tell a story that suited them. This show is doing the same way. Like it's totally different, but it like is equally successful. I think in what it is trying to do.
1: Yeah, no, I think that I think you're absolutely nailing it. Now there is some other stuff. Mm, I don't think we can really talk about that stuff without doing anything spoilery. No, there is one moment that I wanted to talk about very briefly from the show. Okay, which is you know when the new Captain America is debuted. Yes, and the moment itself is as a piece of television is fine. And, the and thing this that is like I, in the
0: trailer for the show, so this is yeah, not a spoiler.
1: everybody knew this happening. And so the thing that I really loved is watching the certain sectors of the internet kind of collectively lose their mind in, like, righteous indignation. Like, how dare you give us this person and give him the shield and tell us that this is the new captain america like how how could you how dare you and i did like i never have these moments I like virtually never have virtually. I virtually never have these moments with the interaction of the MCU. But I did have that like read a book, you filthy casual kind of moment. Right. Like, it's
0: like, yeah. like well, yeah, that's the point. You've been worked. Like
1: Like, guys, everybody everybody knows. This is a character with a long history. Uh there's very basic research involved here. So I did have that was a that was a funny moment. But you, so far I'm like, very looking
0: much You know what I really liked about the scene in which he was introduced? Because he's introduced, and again, like, this is in the trailer. There's, like, he comes out on, like, a football field, and there's a marching band playing a song, and he hops on stage. And it's like, yes, here he is. Right? Um, I guess that's not how he's introduced, introduced. But, like, that's, you know, a big scene uh, in, like, the third episode, or second episode. Um, Now, here's the thing. I had... Like because as I've been talking about recently, I've been rewatching a bunch of the old MCU movies. Mm-hmm. I had just rewatched Captain America: The First Avenger.
1: It's very yeah, and
0: so like if you recall in Captain America: The First Avenger, before Captain America like really gets into being an active participant in World War II, he is sent out as like a like a like a showman, like you know they put yeah, him in a like costume. he's like a USO prop. Yeah. And like they have this big musical number. Well, the musical number that they introduce the new Captain America to in that scene is like a jazzed up modern, like marching band version of that song from Captain America, the first Avenger.
1: No, you know, okay, I did not notice, or I didn't remember that. I remember that, like, there's a scene that's very similar, where they sort of, like, introduce the real Cap as he kind of, like, jogs out, and it's very cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it was a very cool thing, which I definitely would not have noticed if I hadn't literally watched that movie the day before, but it was a nice note
1: so anyways looking forward to catching up on the show um it's fantastic so far i have no doubt that it will continue to be matt what is our fifth star of the week
0: the fifth star of the week is a video game that i have been playing uh that i have really been enjoying and it's called monster hunter rise
1: Mm. Now, and this has been a, a large topic of conversation or frequent topic of conversation. I should say on the email chain.
0: Yeah. So the monster hunter franchise is something I've tried to get into in the past and always bounced off of, but I keep trying to get into it because producer Mark is a big fan of the series, as is an old friend of his who is also on our email chain. Um, and here are two things that I will say about the monster hunter series. One, if you have bounced off of the series in the past, and you have a Nintendo Switch, give Monster Hunter Rise a shot, because, like, basically, the big problem with Monster Hunter is that there's so, so, so much stuff in the game. Like, Mm -hmm. every single thing is all just, like, managing gear and inventory. Like, it is... And it does not do a good job of explaining itself to you. But Monster Hunter Rise has cut, like, a ton of the most egregious of that stuff out.
1: Oh, nice. Like,
0: it's like the game. Like, they have not changed the fundamental structure of the game. Like, it's still very mm-hmm. much the same sort of thing. But there aren't these really early hurdles that are impossible to get over. The other thing I'll say about Monster Hunter is, if at all possible, get your, like, find yourself a, like, person who has been playing Monster Hunter for a while and, like, just hold on to them for dear life. Because there will be things where, like... Why does this item exist? Is this something I have to care about? And sometimes they will say, yes, there is. This is the one thing that it does. Use it in this circumstance. And you can just, like, lock that away in your brain. And sometimes they will say, no, you never have to care about that particular bug that you can use to turn into a potion. Because that potion is only good if you use the gun lance or whatever. Um the Gunlands doesn't use potions. But you know, like there's
1: yeah, like whatever it is. That is man, I I just like at these days I just like absolutely kind of bounce off almost all uh Japanese video games. Well, then you because would not there's... like
0: Monster Hunter because it is like it's not it's not the most Japanese video game that exists, but like as I'm playing this game, It is very clear to me, like, this is a game made by a Japanese company, primarily for a Japanese audience, that has been ported to America, but has not really, like, they did not go out of their way to, like, make it not Japanese at all. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just got that, and, you know, like, that's cool, that's great, like, you know, it's just a different vibe of game.
1: I have just, uh, you know, I had this experience like years and years and years ago when Japan was just like the land of video games, right? Like just video games came from Japan and that's where they came from. And I was just like, these games are so great and I love them. And I did love them, you know, no doubt. And then uh, Western Studios started really coming in and developing like big... I guess, you know, AAA would be the term, like, big AAA video games, but they were Western. And I started playing those, and I was like, oh, no, these are way better. This is much more for me. Like, I just immediately glocked this, and and I'm more into it.
0: Yeah, I think much more for you is very much the, you know, very much the right thing. Because, like, those are games that have been designed by people with a similar sensibility and background to you. You know, like, there's yeah. just...
1: Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, of course. Yeah, like, there's just... This is not a judgment call. This is purely a subjective, yeah. like, I just recognize what I'm into.
0: Um, Yeah, and Monster Hunter has been that way for me for a long time. We're like, man, I know that people love this, and maybe someday I'll crack the code, but, like, it's not this one, and this is, like, the <laughs> third Monster Hunter game I've tried, and finally, like... I've, I've picked a favorite weapon. I have like gotten into a groove of like playing it with friends, which is really the best way to play it. Um, I'm a bow guy by the way, bow and arrow. Mm. I tried to I, tr- I started with dual blades, but I- I'm finding a lot more um, satisfaction with the bow. It's a little it's a little tricky, but once you once you get over that hump, it feels very good. Uh, that's Monster Hunter Dave and that is our fifth star of the week. We are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 36 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Of course, it is called Fly, the Universe's Dancing Wings of Hope, which is a great title for a fun episode. It was written, as was the previous one, by Yasuko Kobayashi. Its original air date was October 26, 1997, and we are going to go watch it, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Dave, episode 36. It's a good one.
1: It's a real good one. It is a real good one. Man, I do want to know. I really appreciate that you said, of course it's called whatever the title was, as though... I mean, what else could it be called, Dave? <laughs> what else? Just what else could it be called? There's tr- truly no other option for this thing to be called other than what it is. So, we open up in the Digital Research Club. There's a radio... Or there's like a boombox with some fanfare going. And then a hand reaches over and and turns it off. And we see that it's Hayakawa. And he applauds the fanfare that he himself has brought.
0: Yes, this is his. He he brought the boombox from home with his own tape or CD.
1: And he played this fanfare for himself. And then applauded. To let the other rangers know that they should also be applauding him, Yusuku Hayakawa.
0: Right, well, he's making a big presentation. <laughs> he is about to show them his new secret project, which he promised at the end of the previous episode he did not have.
1: <laughs> so.
0: No suspense on that one. Literally, the end of last episode, I promise not to have any secret projects the beginning of this episode, here is a fanfare for my new secret project.
1: (laughs) So, and it's like a very fuzzy shot because, of course, they don't want to spoil it because we're going to see it in this episode. So it's like a fuzzy, dark shot. And the Rangers, thankfully, are like, dude, that's a very fuzzy, dark shot. We can't actually see that. He's like, just be patient. It's almost done.
0: And he's about to tell them what this thing actually is. When he gets a call... From uh, Dr. Kubota and Dr. Kubota tells him like, hey, you need to like come to the hotel, like come to this like conference room at the hotel um, immediately because our boss is there.
1: Yes. Now. Oh, there's another thing that he mentioned. So he's like, all right, I gotta go. And then he just says, oh, don't tell Dr. Kubota about this. My new gigantic machine. Which just makes me wonder, like, how discretionary is your budget? That, (laughs) (laughs) like, how much free cash do you have that you can just hide a giant giant mech from your boss and fully expect that he will not know what you're talking about? Okay,
0: here's my theory on this, is that... Yusuke Hayakawa is the greatest engineer in all of history. Because, like, what he has done, I believe, is that he has not only brought in his super, like, Mega Voyager project, like, on time and under budget, while also spending time being Mega Silver and, like, doing all the extra work to fix up the Mega Silver thing... He has also done it Mm -hmm. so under budget that he has managed to squirrel away funds and resources and presumably, like, a secret hangar bay to be building this other thing on the side within his initial budget. Like, he gets yelled at a lot, but man, this guy is the most valuable person in INET.
1: Yeah, he is incredible, and he even tells the Rangers, he's like, this is going to double the power of Mega Ranger. Like, this is amazing. You guys don't even know. So we go to the hotel, and this dude, okay, so this dude's name is Director Kojima, all right? And he, or Deputy Director Kojima, and he is the, like, governmental oversight dude... Who is in charge of this? And I frankly forgot that these guys existed. But we do remember see I don't know if it's the same guy. But in like episode two or three, there is some stuff with like Yeah directors kind of telling Dr. Kubota how he needs to run things and stuff.
0: Yeah, very initially when they were like, You definitely cannot have teenagers uh using giant robots in downtown Tokyo like that's not cool we need to like figure out a way to put this thing on autopilot
1: and I think these are like this is not
0: the same guy but he's definitely working in the same office
1: yeah, 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 definitely, and for sure. So he is uh, predictably like un, just like unfathomably awful. Like it doesn't make any sense for this dude to be as big of a jerkwad as he is. And I would say it's insane and inconceivable that anybody would be this terrible, especially when you're dealing with like the little literal earth-saving heroes, the Mega Rangers. But um, I've worked in governmental jobs before, and. Uh, and it's not; it's totally reasonable to think that that this uh, dude like this totally exists, and I Know. why would, why would? Frankly, it's the it's the kernel of truthfulness that we've seen in this show so far. That people doing amazing work are just being hindered by like needless bureaucrats.
0: Um. So what 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 his big problem is, Deputy Director Kojima? He's like, listen, um, now that Mega Voyager has been built. And has been like released to the public. We need to deal with the the issue of Mega Silver. And his problem is, is like, listen, I know that you're Mega Silver. I'm gonna know that Mega Silver's been out there fighting. But here's the deal. Mega Silver was never in the initial scope of this project, and it was not approved by like leadership, and like the the mega rangers that are supposed to exist are the five mega rangers. That's what's, like, on our... That's what we signed off on. We did not sign off on a sixth Mega Ranger, so you have to, like, hand in your super suit.
1: Yeah, he's like... And they, they're like, this is crazy. So at this point, if it's... I think the Rangers bust in at this point. Oh, yeah, and they, they have been, like,
0: eavesdropping. Like, they had, yeah. were holding up, like, stethoscopes and, like, you know, drinking glasses to the door to listen in.
1: Yeah. So, um... He's like... We'll figure something else. We don't approve this. Um, we flip over to the Nesere dimension, and our monster this week is Condor Nezalar. And they're like, "Where is this guy?" And then he shows up, and because they're expecting him to just have like gone to Earth and start wreaking havoc, and he's not doing that, and so they're like, "What's going on?" But Condor Nezalar, I like this guy. He's got a plan. He says, "Listen." There's more than one way to skin a Mega Ranger. I'm not going to fight them. I have found one of the leaders of Inet, so I am going to like go get that guy, and he will form part of part of this plan. That will, of course, end up with us killing the Mega Rangers and being victorious. But we're gonna we're gonna be slick with it.
0: And, and this is I really like this because he's called Condor Nezalar. And I always kind of forget what a condor is because it's just like a cool bird name, but like a condor is like a big vulture, right? Like basically, or like they are similar too, at least. yeah, um, so like he has a scavenger, he's not a bird of prey. like he's not gonna go in there and attack. He's like, no, I'm gonna find like some weak thing and like pick that off." So, like, he's this big, scary guy, but his whole plan is, I don't want to fight these people. I'm just going to, like, take advantage of weakness and, like, pick them off.
1: Very interesting observation, Matt. That's great. I've watched a lot of these days. (laughs) So, anyways, so that's his plan. So, we flip back to the uh, hotel, and the rangers are like, this sucks. You suck. Um, We're out. We're out. Like, we need Mega Silver. There's no reason for you to say he can't be part of this. Yeah, he is one of us.
0: We went through this whole thing a few episodes ago where, like, we really got into each other. And, like, now he's part of the team. Um, But Deputy Director Kojima is just not willing to let this beta project go out into a production environment. Um, And that's not great. And so, yeah, like, all of the other Mega Rangers are, like... In the act of taking off their digitizers and, like, handing in their badge and their gun, essentially, and walking off the force. Yeah.
1: Now, at this point, Hayakawa steps in. And he's like, listen, don't do that. The world does need Mega Ranger. Like, you just do your thing, guys. We'll figure it out. So they're leaving, and the rangers are all complaining very reasonably. And he's like, listen, man, the world of adults is complicated. Don't rush into it before you have to. But, like, just, you know leave it alone. We'll figure it out.
0: Dr. Kubota is like, dude, um, Dr. Hayakawa, you were, that was very good of you. You really handled yourself well. And, um, Yusuke was like, well, yes, i in a
1: surprisingly adult manner. Yeah. He's
0: like, well, I'm an adult, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a grown ass man. Like I can handle my business. Anyway, you guys chill here. I need to go back. I need to go to the bathroom. So I'm just going to head back into the hotel and not try to steal my digitizer back. You just chill
1: here. (laughs) The way that he says it is not even like, you guys, I'm going to use the bathroom. I'll be right back. He does like, he does the thing that you would expect a literal child to do if they were trying to fake you out about having to go to the bathroom. He like is walking with them and then suddenly he's like, what? I have to use the bathroom. I'll be right back. And then, like, just turns and runs back inside. And as you say, of course, he's very obviously going back to steal the Kytizer.
0: I'm sorry, Kytizer. His Digitizer has a special name because it's a phone and not a watch. Um, But I couldn't remember what it was called when I was writing my notes. And so I just wrote Digitizer and was hoping that you would remember what it was actually called when we got into the episode.
1: I'm there for you, buddy. So anyways... Uh, he is like sort of sneaking around and trying to follow them. He can't quite get to them till they get outside. But as soon as they get outside,
0: Condor Neslar. Neslar
1: is there, yeah, waiting to attack Kojima. He attacks. The Rangers go in. Uh, they do manage to save Kojima. But in so doing, they leave Hayakawa vulnerable. And then Hayakawa is the one who ends up getting stolen by Condor Neslar. Which is not great.
0: I mean, for him. I mean, for anybody, really. But uh, I mean, I guess it's good for Condor Nezilar. He's having, eh, honestly, it's not even super great for Condor Nezilar because that's not what he was going for. Uh, but you know, he, I guess, comes out the best in this circumstance. Yes. So we we head back up to the Nezire dimension. Condor Nezilar has uh, checked in to say, like, "Hey, I have captured Mega Silver." Uganda says, "Cool." Kill that man immediately. Uh, but Cudor Nizzler says, like, listen, although I would love to, obviously, hated foe and all, um, I, I am holding out for bigger prey. Like, I'm going to use yes. this to have them bring out their giant robots. Then we're going to destroy the robots. And then once they're vulnerable, we can just destroy the world. And it'll be easy peasy.
1: Killer plan. Killer plan. So they we go back to Earth, there's a broadcast takeover, Condor is like, hey jerks, I've got your boy, bring Mega Voyager. And they're about to say, like, you know, like, yes, obviously we have to go. The Rangers do. And then Kojima, in a truly astonishing degree of of jerkness, says, No, 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 don't do that. Mega Voyager is more than important than Hayakawa. Like, we need ha- Mega Voyager to defeat the Nezalar. We don't actually need Hayakawa. Despite the fact that Hayakawa is the dude. I think he even says, now that we have Mega Voyager, we don't need him anymore. Right. So he's like, we'll just assign someone else to be Mega Silver. Right,
0: like, if, if Mega Silver is the thing that you need, like, that's fine. We took his magic cell phone. We could just hand it to somebody else.
1: Yeah, uh, Deputy Director Kojima clearly has not seen the first episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
0: He also hasn't seen the first episodes of this show, where it is very clear <laughs> that once somebody had like puts on those uh, the the Mega Ranger suits, they are like keyed to their DNA, and no one else can wear them.
1: Well, maybe Silver's the prototype suit, though. That's true. That's true. Could be. Anyways, also, it actually, it totally could be, and he just would not know, because it's not his job to be useful. It's his job to be a bureaucrat. Anyways, so the Rangers are just like, F this. We're out. Like, we're going anyways. So they run, and Kojima orders the base sealed, so they can't get out.
0: Yeah, so they're escaping the facility. They get past one of, like, the blast doors, and then they get trapped behind a different one. And Kojima gets on the loudspeaker and is like, dudes, you like, we need Mega Voyager. You can't just go hand it over. Like, you need to stay here. And they all look at each other like, well, we do need Mega Voyager. That's very important. And they're like, yes. It's like, well, you know what we have to do then, right? Yes. And then they all hench in and use their laser guns to shoot down the doors of the space station and escape and go to Earth. And it's very good. It, dude, dude it's, it is. It's a great um, moment.
1: Yeah, I, man, it's that classic moment, right? Where it's just like, no, we're going to do the thing anyways. And then they do it. So they run down and they absolutely steal Mega Voyager and they just go down to save um, Mega Farm. So I do want to say, I feel like Condor Nezalar has a real flaw in his plan. And the flaw in his plan is this: is he says, "You guys come over here in your Nazarre killing robot to where I am, but don't like drop it off someplace and then leave, and then I'll come get it, like you bring your me killing robot to me <laughs> to me, and you but you pilot it like you be in it while it's by me, and then just bring it over." To me, the thing it is specifically designed to kill.
0: No, he does have a little bit of a plan here. Because he has... I mean, he's not Mega Silver in the moment. He is uh, Dr. Yusuke Hayakawa. Um, He is all, like, chained up to a machine. And he says, listen... uh, You stand there. I'm gonna wrap you up in chains. And I'm gonna get real big. And I'm gonna punch you. And if you resist... Your friend will die. And so, they're like, well... Uh, We don't want him to die, so I guess we'll just let this big guy punch us. This happens for two seconds. And then, they break out of the chains and start fighting back. Now, here is what is very cool. Mega Voyager sort of grapples Condor Nesalar, right? Yes. And Condor Nesalar says, hey, (laughs) no fair. You said you wouldn't. Um... And they're like, well, we've also got a a secret plan, which is that we have activated the self-destruct function on Mega Voyager. And if you try to fight back against us now, Mega Voyager will explode and take you with it. Which is not great for Condor Nezalar. I mean, you know, like, Uganda doesn't care about Condor Nezalar. Like, he would be fine with Condor Nezalar blowing up right now. That would be a move he is willing to do. But Condor Nezalar
1: himself... Not into this plan. Right. Now, he does say, like, he's at least astute enough to be like, yeah, but but you'll die too? And the rangers don't say anything, but they do employ the clever tactic of, this isn't our real body that's become giant, like, we're just five people inside of a giant robot, and only one of us needs to stay here.
0: Right. So they just leave Miku behind to, like, man the cockpit. The other four go down to free Yusku. Now, unfortunately, there are like Kunikune and Ugande's there and Shibelina is there. So like there's a fight to get him free.
1: Yeah. Now, the fight is fairly generalized, but there's one just Matt, one beautiful moment that I do want to highlight. Oh, I think I know the one you're going to say. Yeah, and it's this. Shibelina goes <laughs> This is that periodic joke they throw in for like the parents that are watching this show with their kids. Because Shibalina rolls over and uh, if, if you don't remember, she just basically is wearing like a very short skirt and like action action underwear underneath that, right? And so she rolls over and she's like standing over Hayakawa as he's lying down. And she goes, it's a shame. You actually look pretty good from up here. And then he just looks up at her and is just like, views pretty good down from down here too. Anyway, she is about to kill him, when suddenly, the
0: Digitank arrives. Hey, did you forget about the Digitank? I did. It's a tank that they have, which is digital in some way, I guess. Right,
1: now, I did, okay, I did have a moment, Matt. This is a very good version of this. It is not the best possible version of this, because... There was a brief moment, uh, when all of the earlier fracas was occurring where Dr. Kubota clearly has like run off with the kaitizer out from under Kojima's nose. Yes. Now, what I thought, Matt, what I thought was oh. going to happen was that Dr. Kubota was briefly going to become Mega Silver. <laughs> It would be incredible. And I was really – Matt, I was so convinced this was happening. I was debating with myself. I was like, ooh, I wonder if they're going to use the same suit actor and it's going to like transform Dr. Kubota into like a svelte superhero or if we are going to get like a Dr. Kubota shaped mega silver. I really was split as to which version, but I was totally convinced this was going to happen. So, the version that we get is very good, which is Dr. Kubota shows up in their armored personnel carrier with the Kaitizer for Hayakawa. Yeah. But I think you can understand why I'm at least slightly disappointed. Yeah,
0: that makes total sense. Um, But it is still very good, because he, like, listen, it's always good when Dr. Kubota, like, puts himself into an action sequence. Like, that's never been bad, right? Right. And he throws the Kytizer to uh, Yusuke, who transforms into Mega Silver. And now, like, now it is on. He pulls out his sword. Ugandy, what what's... Ugande's sword has a cool name, and I don't recall immediately what it is. But it's got, like, a bunch of buttons on it, like Xbox oh, buttons. Oh, it's like the
1: Dark Dark Riser or something like that? It's something like that.
0: I feel it's got, like, a three-word name. I should... Uh, well, whatever. It's a cool sword. He, like, hits the Y button on it, and it does a move called Dark Sa- or the Dark Blade, which is just like an energy beam. Which, mm-hmm. uh, Mega Silver uses his own sword to just deflect into the sky, which is extremely good. It's a great good. move, Mega Silver. Uh, Yusuku and uh, Uganda, which it gets very confusing in my notes at this point, because I realize that I abbreviate both of them with just the letter Y. Um, which is not great when they are in a scene together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fighting. Uh, Mega Silver does like a cool feint move where uh, clearly he has tricked Uganda into forgetting that his sword is also a gun. Yeah. Uh, and then he uses that gun and he shoots Uganda with it. And it's a cool moment. He pulls out his finishing move, the blazer impact, and uh, Uganda and Shibalina both flee.
1: So, yeah, now, totally so now
0: we're just dealing with Condor Nezalar.
1: Yeah. So he calls up and he's like, okay, Miku, like everything's cool now. And then the Condor like, wait, what about the self-destruct? And he's like, oh, there's not actually a self-destruct. Like we lied to you. But it's like, why would you reveal that? Hayakawa? They, like, they absolutely believed that this was a real thing. This was like a little, this was a trick you had in your pocket. You just absolutely blew it. But but he yeah. says, this is great. Or so they start fighting Kondor and Ezlar again, and they're having trouble with him because he can fly. And Hayekan was like, actually, to be honest, I kind of don't mind that this is happening. This is a great chance to try out my new machine. And Kubota says, yep, you just go do it. I'll cover for you. Don't worry about it.
0: Okay, here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. He doesn't say this is a great opportunity for me to try out my machine. Dr. Kubota turns to him and says, Why aren't you trying out your oh, new machine right. yet? Like that's your new right. secret machine. And Mega Silver's like, um, uh, what? What, what? What are you talking about, man? And Dr. Kubota's like, Listen, I know you. You obviously have another machine hidden somewhere. Just get it.
1: This is the best part. He doesn't actually know for sure it exists. <laughs> it's just like, its you obviously did this. And he did, of course. And so it's called the Mega Winger. And it is a, it basically looks like a jazzed up space shuttle. But then it also has like, if like a jazzed up space shuttle was built on like a semi-rig.
0: Yeah, with like tank treads, maybe?
1: I think it's just wheels, but it's something going on. So it's obviously going to turn into like some sort of carrier bot later cuz as of right now there's no reason for it to have wheels. Mm-hmm. But he definitely made himself the coolest looking robot. That's for sure. It's very good. Cuz it's yeah. a big
0: it's a big spaceship that turns into a big guy. And that big guy has like wings and guns on it and like a cool visor. It's a very it's a good robot. We went from Yeah, it's this show went from having one robot that wasn't even, like, five robots coming together. It was just one spaceship that became one robot. And then we got five different robots that became another robot. Oh, and also uh, Delta Mega. Like, we started oh, yeah. so low on the number of robots, and at this point, we are getting, like... We are getting pretty high up there, which is great.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons I'm at this show, right? So anyways... Uh, he says, check this out, guys. So they do a little bit of stuff. And then he says, check this out, Mega Voyager. And, like, the wings part, like, breaks off and, like, attaches to Mega Voyager. And Mega Joy, Mega Voyager can fly now? I, I was, like, very sure that Mega Voyager could already fly.
0: You know, okay, because it flies to Earth from the moon, But maybe it's one of those things, like, it has rocket thrusters that could get it, like, through space, but it doesn't have anything that allows it to, like, maneuver within atmosphere. That's my no prize on this.
1: Uh, no, I think that makes total sense. I can dig that. I can dig that. So... They get the wings, and they are able to just like fly around, and they have a new attack. It's called Winger Spartan, and it's just like a big blast while they have wings. It's like Voyager Spartan, but they have wings now. Yeah,
0: it's the exact same move, but now they're flying.
1: And uh, the wings look very, very good on Mega Voyager, and... That's that.
0: That's cool. They kill the monster. It cuts to um, the staff, like all of the Inat staff who's been watching the fight happening. They all... Apl- well, okay. Everybody but the boss applauds because Kojima is terrible. But everybody else is thrilled. Um, They all land and they're like talking after the fight. and it- And this is the point where... Uh, Yusuke was like, oh, yeah, I mean, this was just, like, a minor addition to the Mega Voyager project. Like, I just sort of, like, worked it in along the side. Um, which, I mean, Matt, come on. You you know he's, yeah, you nice. know he's like, siphoning funds off of some other thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Or maybe he's just that good, Matt. I, I'm so good at putting together IKEA furniture that sometimes I have a bunch of extra pieces. Yeah. <laughs> that's a joke I'm actually I'm fine with it that, that um, is
0: a very fun idea that Mega Winger is just literally made out of spare parts
1: <laughs> Um. so Kojima again is still mad at him and Kabuto or Hayakawa is just like alright thanks everybody for support this is definitely like I know more like I did the thing I wanted to do like I'm good and even Dr. Kubota is just like that's nonsense you absolutely are going to keep doing stuff like this
0: that's the end of the episode. It was a very fun episode. Um, but of course, Dave, it's not the end of our episode, because first, we need to determine where Condor Nezalar lands in the creature royale.
1: So, I like his idea. I think he's got a cool thing. Uh he's got some personality to him. He doesn't look amazing. But he looks fine. So I am willing to give him credit that it's not another mind control scheme.
0: Mm -hmm. And I do really like, if my interpretation of this plot is correct, I do really like that he is like a scavenger monster who is like Mm -hmm. acting appropriately to his animal type. That's cool for me.
1: Yeah, I think that is very cool.
0: Not since Antlion Nezere have I been so pleasantly surprised by the way that a <laughs> uh, a monster scheme has lined up with its animal type. No, he's not as cool as Antlion Nezere. Because Antlion Nezere is our second highest um, uh, Nezere beast. Hmm. Second only to Neo Bat Nezere. Because Bat Nezere really is very good.
1: Yeah, Neo, Neo Bat Nezere is super duper cool. But where are, you, where are you thinking for the Condor? Okay. He's no pig Nazare.
0: Well, no. He, he doesn't have his own theme song about uh, selling diet crepes. Although, actually, speaking of theme songs, uh, Mega Winger does have its own theme song.
1: Oh, yeah. It's very good. Um, I think I would put him just below B. Nezere, but above Toad Nezere. I think that's where I'm at.
0: Okay. Uh I'm open to that. Do you have a particular reason why? Or is that just sort of a like gut
1: feeling? It's sort of a gut feeling. Um I really liked Bean Be a Ray had the one of the best mind control plans, and I really liked that. And uh Psycholion Nezzlar had this whole weird thing with like teleport beacons and uh and all sorts of stuff, and Psycholion Nezlar looked like way cooler than than Condor Nezlar. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah,
0: Um, I I am comfortable with that if we want to put him at the new number 7 between B-Nezere and Toad-Nezere. There he is! Cool. And then that, Dave, is going to do it for another episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at SuperSentaiBrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at SuperSentaiBros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you want to give us a rating or a review on there, that would be swell of you. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find us all at retrogradeorbitradio.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.